Welcome to the Without Limits Podcast, where we discuss running, endurance sports, nutrition, race directing events, and ways to improve your life physically, mentally, and spiritually, all from the perspective of the endurance athlete. I am your host, Tom Clifford, and once again, it has been several months since I've done a podcast, (laughs) because life gets in the way, and that's just the way it goes. Luckily, podcasting isn't my job like Joe Rogan, but um, I do enjoy doing them and talking about important subjects and things I've learned along the way, whether that's important to you or not. You're listening, so that's cool for me. So I just like to pass along the knowledge about what our company's doing, uh, some of the things that I'm learning. So this is going to be a little solo podcast here. I do have some good ones lined up in the future and we'll kind of give a little prequel to those today because I do want to talk to some specialists that know the subjects about that I'm going to talk about today. Um, One being ice baths, one being Wim Hof breathing, which also goes along with ice baths, and then intermittent fasting. Um, How I sort of got into these um, over the last couple months, um, to get a little about my personal athletic career and coaching. But, um, this summer we had our without limits cross country camp and we had a lot of good training out there. Uh, Aaron Colk, I was able to ride with him, coach Aaron Colk, professional triathlete, and then, uh, running with the kids every day. Um, as a reminder, I had surgery last November on a sports hernia slash tear in my adductor uh, and rectus abdominis area. So I, I spent several months, December, January, February, March, rehabbing that and trying to get strong again. Uh, but one mistake I believe I made was I got back into hard cycling um, early. I was really excited to get back into being able to ride um, without the impact. And what I did as I got into a half Ironman cycle in May, June for the Steelhead 70.3 and late June, um, I had about an eight-week cycle. That cycle obviously wasn't long enough, but I was excited to get back into the triathlon multi-sport world over the summer um, coming off that injury. Uh, which was my first real major injury in 26 years. Um, when you have surgery, it definitely sets you back. But um, I had this seven-week build, and and I, it was more mostly cycling focused. I would say my running was the lowest mileage I've ever had done, and and swimming I was swimming twice a week, um, nothing crazy. Maybe a couple weeks we did three times a week. But um, as I got into that cycle, I realized I be I became very much very much right leg dominant on the bike. My right leg was my driving leg and my left leg was this leg I had surgery on. So, you know, when you start to get that imbalance, a strength phase is probably in store in the future again. And, um, one of my physical therapists, uh, John Duplessis over at accident physical therapy, he said I probably would need to do another strength phase Um, after this half Ironman round, but it wasn't a long cycle. So I was like, well, maybe I can do this half Ironman round 
um, or this half Ironman race and then take a couple weeks off and then build into the next one. The timing was just off. So basically I did the half. It, it didn't, the race didn't go that great for me. I, I just didn't have the running mileage behind me to um, perform a good half marathon on the bike. And I s- destroyed my legs on the bike because the last 22 miles of the bike was in 30 mile an hour headwinds which was why the swim got canceled that day there was a uh, small craft advisory on lake michigan so there was no swim there was a 56 mile bike which 22 miles of it were in headwinds and then the half marathon was not an easy course but i just had destroyed my legs on the bike and just note for all you triathletes out there that listen I could, I saw so many pace lines in that race this summer that it just, sometimes it's just disappointing. I know that if you can get away with it in the race, fine, but I'm just not that way. I'm going to do it solo and try to follow the three bike length rule or whatever it is now, three or four bike lengths. Um, it just, just makes it an honest race. And I saw so many people pacing off each other and it just kind of gets you a little angry, but I guess you got to pay attention to your own race. They just weren't giving penalties out like I thought. Um, so for the triathletes out there that are doing the half races or Olympics, try to be honest with the bike. I mean, it's I know sometimes it's inevitable and you get stuck having to pace line, but um, that was one thing I noticed, you know, this year. And some comments were on their Facebook group page about, you know, how many pace lines there were and most athletes were disappointed of it but some made an excuse well we're not in it to win and this isn't a pro race it doesn't matter the rules are the rules if it's going to be a a non-drafting event then it should stay that way but that's neither here nor there kind of getting on a subject line but anyway i got through that race and then went to the without limits cross country camp up in the mountains and just had some phenomenal training up there. But again, I didn't really address the right leg dominance of, uh, my body. You know, my, my right leg was obviously more developed. My left leg needed some more strength work. And I sort of got into that old mindset when you're, when you don't really get injured for 26 years, and, and don't run into any major imbalances, it's easy to say, okay, I feel good, so I'm going to keep training. But come August, my right hip started to hurt, like right where the glute medius is, glute, glute, glute medius, glute minimus, and for all those who don't know where that is, it's like right in that little soft spot above your, your butt muscle, right along the iliac crest, so right, right where your, you know, your pelvis meets your butt muscle. So I started getting this pain there every time I ran, but I didn't get it when I was cycling. So I continued cycling and laid off running and continued swimming. And then, you know, it sort of started radiating around the front. And I'm like, this isn't good for this second time. I don't want to do this again, you know, going into another half Ironman cycle because I was signed up for the North Carolina 70.3. And so ultimately I decided to defer off of that and find figure out what was going on with my right hip which was just technically the strong side all in all i found out that i had a slip disc in my back and that was what was giving me a lot of the pain so i now i'm finally taking taking care of that so you know after 26 years you know you learn that you know your body's always going to break down a little bit and um strength is a, a key component and addressing your issues is a key component in getting back so now i'm back running again and swimming 
I've laid off the cycling just because of that lumbar um, area of my spine. I won't start cycling again until I get that area a little bit more healthy. But it feels good running. It feels good mostly on the days, um, you know, unless I lift at events wrong. Like if I'm lifting too much, um, at, like too much water or whatever at events. But one of my colleagues, Colin and I, um, we figured out some some fun ways to be more efficient with our uh, forklift on our tractor. So <laughs> to get things zip, uh, tied up on pallets and start moving stuff that way. So anyway, through all that and through some time off, I got a little, you know, frustrated with my body and said, all right, what can I do different? You know, so I bought a chest freezer. I'm sure some of you may have heard about these and some of you may not, but I bought a chest freezer from Lowe's and sealed it and use it as an ice bath. Um, and it's amazing. You put it right in my garage and I keep the water at about 40 degrees, um, change out the water every couple of weeks. And for all of you who look online and search ice baths, I mean, some of those ice baths are two to $3,000 for those tin ice baths with the moving water. But man, you can get a $300 chest freezer and put it in your garage, you know, I'm not sponsored by any chest freezers yet, but <laughs> chest freezer companies like GE, but you know, they, they might be short on chest freezers now because more and more people are doing this, but you know, it is a, a great tool to have an ice bath at your house right in the garage. And, um, there's a lot of debate out there on ice baths, whether you should do an ice bath because of the anti-inflammatory properties, but, but, the, the debate is, is, is taking away the inflammation good or bad and going to delay recovery long-term, meaning that if you take away an inflammatory response, your body won't supercompensate and get stronger from that inflammatory response. Um, and I want to have a whole podcast on this with um, somebody who, who knows a little bit more about ice baths than I do. But my take is, from the research, is you definitely can have too much inflammation. So I think if you were to go for a long run and then immediately get in the ice bath, um, is that bad or good? Um, I think sometimes it's it can be a personal preference. But if you feel like your legs are just really destroyed and you're not recovering as well, I think you can utilize that to your benefit you can reduce some of this inflammation that causes long-term disease and causes possible injury and you know causes possible you know muscle tearing or whatever uh, especially if your lifestyle is dependent on or you know is a little bit more active than another for example for me i'm on my feet a lot I'm on my feet outside working. I'm on my feet at practice a lot, coaching. I'm jogging around, you know, with kids, um, coaching them at cross country meets. Um, I work events on the weekend, the events that we have. So with a lot of that labor um, and stress on the body, on top of that trying to train, you know, it's not like I'm able to to lay prone all day long and rest my legs, you know, and have the inflammatory response, you know, kick in and it'd be a perfect healthy situation. It helps me a lot when I'm on my feet all day 
and then I want to go run 10 miles uh, to jump in the ice bath and just kind of get a rejuvenation, um, sort of that blood constrictive uh, anti-inflammatory properties. And so, you know, if you read some of the benefits of ice bathing, um, you know, it's it's it can change the way fluids like blood and lymph flow through your body. Uh, it online it'll say your vessels constrict because of cold and open back up when your body warms up after the ice bath. Um, this process helps to flush metabolic waste from your body while getting oxygen and nutrients to your muscles. And there's scientific evidence that ice baths lower inflammation after intense physical exercise. So this is the debate. You know, if you go and you do some intense exercise, is the anti-inflammatory process too much and in the maybe short term takes away inflammation, but long term delays your ability to gain fitness. And so I think there is a balance between that that you want to consider. Um, but we'll leave some of the scientific research for um, an expert in the field, but consider it. You know, again, a lot of these things I want to talk about today are things that you can do to increase your body's ability to adapt and become a better organism. And you do that through maybe a little bit of trial and error, but things that have worked for people in the past. Ice baths also help weight loss. Cold temperatures stimulate activation of brown fat tissue. Brown fat helps your body to generate heat as it burns off while fat or white fat. Therefore, taking regular ice baths help prevent the accumulation of excess body weight. Interesting, interesting topic there. This is all, you know, based on research. Increased parasympathetic activity. Exposing your body to cold conditions on a regular basis can make you more resilient. As your body adjusts to the cold, the vagus nerve is stimulated, which is connected to many important organs by means of parasympathetic nervous system. The result, increasing in parasympathetic activity has positive effects on all kinds of conditions, such as anxiety, depression, and gut problems. So again, you know, uh, you know, I have to obviously can't tell you that it's going to do these things. So, you know, um, from a standpoint of listening to my advice, I'm not an, a doctor or an expert in the field, but why not try things that are going to help your body be more resilient? Um, I was just talking to a client today about what he can do in the last eight weeks of training for his race. Become more resilient. Do things that are going to help you recover better. Do things that are going to maybe push your body into um, uh, a state that assists in uh, overall performance and recovery and doing things that are going to um, make you, I think the best term is resilient. So that's one thing I learned um, or got into as I sort of had this second time off it wasn't a long period of time I didn't stop swimming or running but um, I, I toned it way back you know but I get in the ice bath almost every day right now a lot of times I get in the ice bath just when I'm when I'm hot um, a lot of times I don't know uh, my wife doesn't she, she doesn't get hot all the time like I do but I'm I'm like radiate heat all day and so sometimes at night you know like 8 30 I'm going to bed at nine o'clock and if I just feel like I'm overheated or I was working outside or, you know, I got done with a late workout and my body's not cooling down. Um, I just jump in the ice bath for one minute and I feel like I feel renewed, like uh, like more energy, relaxed. My heart rate goes down a little bit um, 
and I can lay in bed and just sort of get warm under the covers and get a better night's sleep. So I know people who have done uh, cold immersion feel the same way and they'll promote it too for those um, cryotherapy chambers that you'll sleep better. But honestly, you know, cryotherapy chamber is great and all, but I think, I don't know, I think there's more benefits. I get more out of an ice bath, like actually getting in water. And that mental overcoming the the actual stepping into that cold water and soaking and, and, and getting over that mental hurdle of getting in cold water is not easy. Getting into a hot tub is easy for most people. Uh, but getting in cold water is is very uncomfortable and very difficult. And you kind of gasp and take deep breaths right when you get in to get that oxygen into your system. So I'm sure many of you heard of Wim Hof. If you haven't, you can check out the WimHofMethod.com. Um, and that's this is another thing I got into. And in, in about five years ago, six years ago, I read about the Wim Hof method. And um, when I had pneumonia after my after I had Grace, um, after my wife had Grace, of course, not me. <laughs> funny, funny. Um, after we had Grace as a couple, um, I got pneumonia. Um, about three months after, probably from not getting sleep and who knows. But I got into the Wim Hof because I wanted to re-strengthen my lungs. And at the time, I was coughing so much during that pneumonia that I sort of, I tried the method and I couldn't really get into it because of, of, the, of the virus that I had. But I, I sort of forgot about it. And then I was tooling around on Audible because this year I made it a a goal of mine to, to read several books and I do best by listening because I'm in the in the car so much traveling or driving around town um, whatever but we traveled a lot this summer so I listened to a lot of books and his his book was one of them the Wim Hof method and he obviously talks a lot about cold immersion and that was an, another reason I got the ice bath but I, it was already a plan for me to get I already had the ice bath by the time I actually read his book but um he has a whole breathing method and his breathing method is based on what happens to your body when you get into cold water. Um, so via his website, it says we breathe. Um, we are regulated by the autonomic nervous system. Inhaling oxygen is an unconscious process. Fortunately, it's an unconscious praxis. Otherwise, we simply wouldn't have a break as we have to deal with it incessantly. The amount of oxygen that we inhale through our breathing influences the amount of energy that is released into our body cells. On a molecular level, this progress via various chemical and physiological processes. Breathing is the easiest and most instrumental part of the autonomic nervous system to control and navigate. In fact, the way you breathe strongly affects the chemical and physical, physiological activities in your body. Throughout the years, Wim Hof has developed special breathing exertions that keep his optimal condition in complete control in the most extreme conditions. The breathing technique is first and foremost premised on inhaling deeply and exhaling without use of force. So we always have heard in yoga, taking deep breaths, exhaling slow, allows your heart rate to fall. Um, breathing is real big in yoga. There's, um, a lot of people that I know who are specialists in breathing. I'm going to actually want to do a podcast with Coach Angela, who I've done with before. She is certified in breathing, so it can get us a little bit more acquainted. But 
one thing I started doing during some of this downtime as well was trying to learn how to breathe better and more calmly. And one of the things that Wim Hof says in his book is when people are stressed, they they breathe very shallow. Um, when people are sick, they breathe shallow, so they don't heal through that oxygen intake. Um, but his whole premise of breathing is taking 30 to 40 deep breaths. And it says, be conscious of your breath and try to fully connect with it. Inhale deeply through the nose or the mouth and exhale unforced through the mouth. Fully inhale through the belly, chest, and then exhale unforced. You do 40 breaths, and on the 40th breath, you exhale and you hold, which is called breath retention. And so you try to hold to see how long you can hold your breath until you have the urge to breathe again. And then once you have the urge to breathe, you draw one big breath to fill your lungs and hold that for about 15 seconds and then repeat the cycle. And so I started doing this, and I, I think the first time I did it, I had breath retention up to about a minute 45 on the exhale. But now I'm up to three minutes and 30 seconds, you know, on some days. Um, and it's, it's pretty incredible to sit there and hold your breath, you know, and feel this. It's pretty much kind of a sense of calmness for three minutes and 30 seconds. And each time you do the round, you kind of get further and further. Now... Again, this isn't for everybody. You do feel a little lightheaded sometimes. You can feel a little odd, but his scientific, he's done studies on this already, double-blind placebo studies, and had scientists look at this and how basically the premise is, is you becoming, having your body become a little bit more resilient through oxygenation of your body. When you exhale 40 times or, or breathe 40 times in a row and then you exhale the CO2, you're technically full of oxygen, and then you are sitting there oxygenated. So you have a lot more oxygen in your body, and your body, you know, I guess in some way, shape, or form can can heal itself and get, get the body through, you know, get oxygen in different parts of your body. So all this can be found in, in his book. I really thought the book was intriguing. I thought that this is something to share with all athletes and probably even non-athletes, um, people who deal with anxiety and stress or just simply want to become more resilient. I think that in stressful times and with disease as we age, um, the less we do and the less we push our bodies, the less our bodies are going to become resilient. Maybe the name of the pod, this podcast should have, should be resilience. But again, I can't say that all of these methods are going to be for everybody. And I can't say that everybody has time to do it all. It's a lot of time. And I'm not, I don't, I, well, I don't think it's a lot of time. I think you got to wake up early and just get it done. So like I usually wake up at 4.30 or 5 o'clock in the morning. And this just takes me about 20 minutes. Um, I try to do it on a daily basis, but I realize I, it's just not feasible to do it every single day, but I try to. Um, it's kind of a good reset button, just to take time out of your day to, to do a breathing exercise or get into the cold immersion um, and just kind of shock the body a little bit and, and um, stress it in a, in a small way to become 
a better, stronger person mentally and physically. So these are things outside of the endurance realm. I'm not going out and running. This isn't a 20-mile run or how to run 20 miles. This isn't a how to go out and ride three hours or swim long or whatever. It's things you can do beyond the endurance sports to get you know, your juices flowing, to get your autonomic nervous system under control, to become more resilient, like I said, to increase you know, breathing and oxygenation, to increase uh, or decrease inflammation in your body. Um, so that was another thing. The, the last thing that I did after I sort of decided, hey, I'm going to take a little bit of break again and learn some new things, um, is to get back down to my race weight, which in college and high school was right around 170. Um, that was with running, you know, 70 to 90 miles a week. I was probably between 166 and 70. And I'm 6'1", so it's still you know, bigger for an endurance athlete or for a, um, a division one collegiate endurance athlete. Most guys I ran with were, you know, five, 10 to six, one, that 135 to 155. So, you know, it, it's not easy to run long distance and carry, you know, either muscle or additional fat, but, you know, it's also a sensitive subject among people because, you know, weight isn't always the biggest factor of why you're not running fast. I think that there's a race weight range that you have to be in. And I knew that me returning to distance running, I wasn't, I can't be 182, you know, and try to run and, and put that kind of pounding stress on my body. And that's what I was after surgery, I guess, um, being back in the gym again, I eat pretty healthy, but I got up to about 180 to 182. And so returning to running and trying to, you know, expect for me to, to get back down to 170 or even 172 usually required me getting into 90 minute to two hour long runs. But I couldn't do that because of the pounding and impact it had on my, you know, on my groin area slash core. So, you know, it was, okay, well, let's go long biking. And biking doesn't quite get your heart rate, you know, to the zones that it needs to be at. It doesn't shed the calories that running gets. Um, it's also a lot easier to eat on the bike than it is running. So you're, you're riding and you can take more nutrition on the bike. So what I tried to dabble with a little bit, which I, I wasn't a huge believer in um, at first, um, but I, I had never really jumped the gun on intermittent fasting. Um, I really enjoy eating. I enjoy eating breakfast. I enjoy, you know, the taste of food. I'm not going to lie. I love it. But um, I did notice that when I would get up for practice at 4.30 in the morning, it was easy for me to eat a bowl of cereal or whatever it was and then have a coffee and then go to practice. And after practice, I was exhausted and hungry again. So I'd go home and eat again. And then, you know, around 10 o'clock, I'd want a snack. And then at lunchtime, I'd have lunch. And then, you know, I'd find time to work out in between. But I always felt like I had to have nutrition in my stomach. And I started listening to some podcasts on intermittent fasting and learned quite a bit about it, actually, and talked to our dietitian, Diana Davis, and got her two cents, which that'll be another podcast that we do here. Um, I think she's going to start doing some um, programming involving intermittent fasting. 
but I decided to give it a chance and give it a whirl and just try it with myself. There was no harm in it. I simply started with a 12-12 intermittent fasting um, routine. I like routines um, knowing that, okay, after 8 p.m. I'm not going to eat or drink, and before 8 a.m. I'm not going to eat or drink. And that was a simple method to me. I could eat or drink whatever I wanted after 8 a.m. and before 8 p.m. And then after that, time to shut it down and just hydrate or drink water or whatever before bed. Um, even if I went out with friends for beers, I would stop drinking beer at 8 o'clock. That would be my last beer. Um, if I accidentally went till 8.20 or 30, then I wouldn't be able to do my morning breakfast until 8.20 or 30. You know, so... But I tried to just keep it at 8-8 because that was the easiest for me to kind of get my head around. So some days I didn't train. I extended it out to what, what I've read about the intermittent fasting and um, go to 16-8, which is basically 16 hours of not eating and then eight hours of eating whatever you want to. And some of the benefits to the intermittent fasting were uh, that I read about that you can, again, Google search, find yourself, but insulin levels, um, blood levels of insulin drop significantly, which facilitates fat burning, human growth hormone levels. We all hear about HGH as a, as a, um, illegal substance in sport, but HGH actually is already in your body and your pituitary gland, um, is the one that releases that hormone. Um, so you can increase it naturally by intermittent fasting. So it can increase by intermittent fasting. Um, so which HGH levels facilitate fat burning and muscle gain and have numerous other benefits. Cellular repair. The body induces important cellular repair processes such as removing waste materials. Um, and uh, it can also help you, you know, Detox, I guess, if you want to call it that, um, over time. Um, another couple other benefits are losing weight, which is one of the reasons why I wanted to try it, to see if I could get it to work. Um, uh, it can reduce oxidative stress and inflammation. So it was another thing along with the um, ice baths that I wanted to try out, reducing inflammation. Um, heart health. Uh, it, it improves numerous different risk factors, including blood sugar, blood pressure, blood triglycerides, LDL cholesterol, and inflammatory makers. Um, it induces various cellular repair processes. It helps possibly prevent diseases by uncontrolled growth. Um, has benefits to your brain, such as oxidative stress, inflammation, blood sugar levels, and insulin resistance. It, you know, could possibly help prevent Alzheimer's, but you know, again, there's research being done about this and extend your lifespan. Most people overeat. If you think about the way humans were a long time ago, they went days without eating because they were hunting their food. So when you get the urge to eat all the time, it's not necessarily that you have to, you know, it's that you can get to the point of teaching your body how to burn fat for fuel. And you just have to sort of change your shift a little bit in thinking. Um, and, you know, I don't want to come out here and say that you should starve yourself by any means. That's that's not where this is going at all. I think there's a whole culture out there of intermittent fasting. And there are times of the day that you can eat and pretty much eat whatever you want to. Um, just it really prevents you from overeating. 
And for endurance athletes have to be real careful because as they increase their training and periodize their training, you're, you have to also periodize your eating, you know, so you need to eat more to sustain your, the burn factor that you're doing. And so some endurance athletes, this is a good time to think about doing this in between seasons. It's not a good time to think about this if you're eight weeks out from a marathon and you're getting into your highest mileage and highest intense portions of the programming. So, you know, ask advice to either your dietitian or somebody who's an expert in nutrition um, where you can add this into your routine to gain the benefits of it if you so choose. So anyway, these are my thoughts. Um, what I've learned over the last three, four months, I've really enjoyed, I always enjoy expanding my knowledge and trying new things, especially things I've th thought about and people have tried um, in my circle. My clients ask me about stuff and I guess, you know, sometimes you know the science or you read about it, but you don't know the benefits or you can't test the benefits unless you do it yourself. And so I've enjoyed doing these three things myself, ice baths, intermittent fasting, and some breathing techniques to expand my own portfolio and, and just some trial and error stuff uh, to be able to pass that along. My dog is dreaming right now in the background. You can hear him. Cliff, hey, Cliff, wake up. <laughs> He's on the ground right now, breathing and um, in his sleep. So anyway, that's it for today. Um, so hopefully you have some good, interesting podcasts coming up. And this is sort of the prelude to that. But um, uh, we as a company are getting into some crazy times. We just had uh, uh, in late August, we had our Copperhead Beer Relay, which we had uh, the record number of people, 700 people doing a beer relay and a beer mile. So that was super fun. In, in um, September, we had the YMCA Wrightsville Beach Triathlon, which I'm a race director for. And um, that race had record numbers uh, in the last 10 years. It was a phenomenal day. We had to we had to modify, though we couldn't have a swim because of bacteria levels in the water. So we had to, 24 hours out from the event, we had to cancel the swim and make it a duathlon. Then we had swim the loop. Um, two weeks later after that, which is a swim, three-and-a-half-mile epic swim around Riceville Beach, North Carolina, we had to modify that because of a tropical system off the coast, but we made it a really fun, out-and-back, challenging race. Um, last weekend here in southeastern North Carolina was uh, the Ironman 70.3, which we had a great showing for from a coaching standpoint. Lots of people PR'd. It was a good community event. Um, I volunteered and was able to help their staff. Um, you know, it's just a big endeavor to put a big race like that here on. So props to everybody doing that. But upcoming, we have the Battleship Half Marathon, Parkway Subaru Battleship Half Marathon, November 14th, um, which we're preparing for. Then we have the Shikori 40 uh, Ultra and Relay, which if you like a Ragnar-type relay, we do a great job putting uh, our own Fun relay at Shikori Hills uh, Community Art Center in Pittsburgh. It's super fun vibe, campfires, um, live music, um, all kinds of stuff. You know, we age grade we age grade our relays for uh, based on gender and um, age, which is pretty cool for the older, faster people that can that's that maybe between fifty and seventy years old. They get huge handicaps and can help 
their team take their uh, overall mile pace per mile down after Shikori, we got a little break and then we go into southern tour which is very similar to Shikori. southern tour ultra has a 50 mile a 50k and a 50 mile age graded relay same thing with the age grade it's a big community event down here in wilmington and um we are we added a last man standing last year which is like the backyard ultra and that last man standing was a solo event last year because of covid and this year it'll be combined with the with the event. So it starts Thursday, January twentieth at seven, at one p.m. and it'll go for twenty four to thirty hours, depending how long people go. I know I don't know if you guys saw on the news, but some guy ran three hundred and fifty five miles in one of those backyard ultras, which is absolutely insane. Average fourteen minutes a mile, not fast when you're thinking fourteen minutes a mile, but when you're thinking three hundred and fifty miles, holy cow, insane. So phenomenal for him congrats to the that gentleman who did that um then we go into the wilmington the novant health wilmington marathon in february it's one of our premier events we're looking at four thousand people here in wilmington north carolina running from wrightsville beach to downtown so we have a full calendar year coming up with events um and our our uh, athletes uh that we coach um getting into those events and others we just had a bunch of athletes complete the boston marathon and uh colin hackman one of our coaches uh, P- he pr'd ran a 249 one of his best times ever at age 45 i know he did some intermittent fasting before that learned how to get his um the benefits of that and which helped his running and i think we're going to have him on the, add him to that podcast to help help him help us understand his experience with that so a lot of cool things you know just always advancing and trying to improve and think about ways to improve myself included and all of you out there are listeners and and supporters uh that want to improve too and you know there it it may be the right time for you this might be a podcast where you say you know what i'm going to try all that and it may be something that you you do in increments down the line where you know maybe the month of november you say all right i'm going to i'm going to try ice baths and see if i notice a benefit and then in January, maybe it's a good time to start intermittent fasting after you get through the holidays. I can't tell you when is a good time. I think that you know these are these are things that you want to get into long term habits. If they if you feel that they benefit you, don't just do them for three or four weeks or two weeks. Make them a an ongoing habit. And I think long term benefits of some of this stuff um, can really benefit you down the line. So. You guys enjoy the rest of 2021 um, and really, really, you know, spend some time with your families. Don't spend too much time on social media. Get out there, try some new things. And um, I hope to see you out there or hear from you. Um, You can shoot us an email, tom at iamwithoutlimits.com. Visit our website, www.iamwithoutlimits.com. You can find us on social media. Uh, and you can run our races and see us there. So, peace out.